0: They'll be playing at the Hollywood Bowl tonight, all sold out, but we'll be giving away six more tickets on this beautiful Saturday morning. 75 degrees in Hollywood. You've been listening to one hour of nonstop power rock and roll on Holly Power 92. And at the top more. of the hour.
1: Here in the valley, it's a balmy 83 degrees. Gotta go, but first, here's the story of
2: my life.
3: Welcome to Stuck in the Eighties. This is Gina Vivanetto, columnist for TVT.
2: Hi, I'm Steve Spears for sbtimes.com.
3: And we have a very, very special guest today for our Valley Girl episode. This is the president of the Stuck in the Eighties fan club, Lee Iderola.
1: Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. I'm a president and, and also a client. <laughs>
2: how, how many members are we up to now?
3: Um, I'm just,
1: just it's, me so far. It's just so, getting started. So but tell them how. it's going to get bigger. It's, it's going to get bigger. Or their numbers are growing. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. If you guys wanna, if you guys wanna join,
3: just go on and blog and. Well, she's really here because she's a huge, huge fan of the movie Valley Girl, which uh, who is, is our it? Uh, yeah oh, our yes. topic for the day. Valley Girl, starring the wonderfully talented Nicolas Cage Nick. and Nick Cage, <laughs> and she's a, she knows a lot about this movie too. So she may stump even Steve. No one can stump Steve. On no this movie. one stumps the Steve. Um, but what did you want to tell us about Nick Cage and the billing on this movie, Lee Iderola? Weren't you the one who told me that this is his first movie where he was billed oh, as where Nick Cage? he was actually
1: Nick Cage instead of um, Coppola? Coppola, because he is a Coppola, as yep. we all know. And um, he he decided that he was this was going to be his first time using and, Nick Cage instead of Coppola. And he didn't tell
3: what the director when he right. applied no. for the job. Nope. That he was a Coppola. She didn't know that, and then she found out, right? that yep. he was a Coppola. You know and how she, she
2: found out? How did she find out? He was finishing uh, Rumblefish, Fish, which uh, oh. Francis Ford was recording for him wow. and said I'd love to do Valley Girl for you but i haven't finishing up Rumble Fish and she said well you know Francis Ford Coppola is a, a friend of mine he's like family I'll call him up and uh, I'll yeah. get you cleared and and uh, Nick Cage looked at the director Martha um, Coolidge. Coolidge and said just kind of with this weird look on his face and so she calls up the set of Rumble Fish and goes you know I want, I want to get Nick Cage released early so I can um, use him for this film we don't have a Nick Cage with um, on Rumble yeah. Fish she's like well who do you have well we have a Nicholas Coppola
3: Funny, oh uh-huh. wow! See, he
2: can't stump the stevester. No,
3: you yeah, can't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. What, well, you told us, Miss Iderola, something else about um, his sleeping arrangements and his housing on this film. He Valley actually Girl He
1: slept in the car or lived in the car to get into character for Valley Girl. His
3: character, Randy. Who falls in love with Julie from yeah. the valley.
2: Should we take a second to describe Let's the...
3: Do, you do it, Steve. You do it so well. Give <laughs> yes. us a little plot summary. If there's
2: anybody out there who hasn't seen this movie, I will... I don't know why I would even bother to have to explain the plot to you, but I will. <laughs> Basically, this is your, your classic Romeo and Juliet story. You've got Julie But from the, set in the
3: 80s. Yeah, like... This is our second reference today to Romeo and Juliet because I referred to them in our last podcast, the Capulets and the Montagues. You may have not realized it when I used their last names. I was awake. Jeez.
2: She's surly, isn't she? (laughs) Well, no, I'm
3: just really highbrow. And you're not. Okay, go ahead.
2: (laughs) Anyway, the the movie revolves around Julie, who is a uh, high school girl from the Valley, meeting uh, Randy, a boy from Hollywood. And basically they meet up at a party and... Become an immediate couple, much over their friends' objections, and uh, eventually break up, and eventually get back together. Right. Isn't that, uh, that's that's the long and short of it. But it's it's the way, it's the way that it's done. I think that. Okay, makes but can I so
3: say it's well. very it's very highly unlikely because they meet at the beach. And Randy, total punk rock guy. Why would
1: he ever go to the beach? He's
3: at the beach, which it starts like right off of that. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just a really East Coast person and maybe all these West Coast punk rock guys went to the beach. But I saw that and I'm like, what's he doing at the beach? And also the quizzical, strange um, triangle of fur on his chest. I have a story on that. (laughs) Please tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this? Chest hair, like an almost perfect, like, isosceles triangle on his Italian chest. He, when, it's when not He's weird. actually the
2: youngest member of the cast, Nick Cage, at this time. He's, I think, 17 going on, 18 years old when this is filmed. And the director, Martha Coolidge, wanted him to look a little younger. I guess he was a little furry on yeah. the top side. <laughs> so he, he shaved his chest and his stomach, it. but decided to leave a triangular patch at the top.
3: Is that true? Yep. Oh, my God. It's really freaky looking. If I was going to make stuff up, I would – Because I do remember seeing him in movies later on where he has um, like a a naked torso. And I do think he is a much hairier person than what we see in Valley Girl, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've seen him in other movies without a shirt on. And he's a – bear of a guy. I've never
1: really liked him very much so I never really pay attention. To his
3: hair? Yeah. No, he's a furry guy but he has this strange triangular patch of hair in Valley. Girl. Oh, yeah. That, I, mean, I thought it was tough. when I
2: first saw it I thought it was so strange that it had to be natural but then when I found out he did it that way on purpose. Well, yeah, that's it cage. sounds
3: like him. I mean, he does that weird voice and that... Uh, Peggy Sue got married thing. He does oh, a lot God of, God, and he eats the roach too. in that other movie. What's the movie where he eats the? Doesn't he eat a cockroach in a movie too?
2: Probably. Yeah, he's a he's a. I, I got to admit, I, as much as I love him in this movie, I have I am not a connoisseur, and I have not seen the complete collection.
3: Not like John Cusack, who you're a big, big fan of. Okay, oh my god, let's, I'm a big fan of him too. Let's talk about another star of the movie. Okay, w- what's Julie's I can't name? She cut off our Deborah Foreman. Well, no, no, because I'm getting to John Cusack later. But the the who <laughs> no, who you're plays not. Deborah Foreman? You're not I back just, to. I just we John. just can't get started because you guys are never going to shut up. But, yeah, who plays uh, Julie? Deborah Foreman. Deborah Foreman. Thank you. Um, and then uh, Elizabeth Daly, or E.G. Daly, as she's billed a lot, plays. Oh, yes. um, um, What's her character What's her La- name? Lauren, Lauren. Lauren. Okay, she plays a friend of Julie's. Um she's she's a really adorable girlness. If if you do some thinking, she's she's dottie. In uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. She plays the Bicles. You know, I'm a rebel, a loader, Dottie. She's everybody, also a Rugrats voice. She's, she's a Rugrats, a Rugrats. Boy, But people who listen to our podcast know, and people who have seen some of the outtakes from our very steamy promo shots that, P- that uh, Steve and I have done know that I love Pee-wee Herman. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, don't. you can find... If you pay enough mm, money, you can find wow. photos of me making out wow. with my Pee-wee Herman doll. But but Dottie, EG Daly, this is one of her earlier things. She also... Um, she recorded a song on the Breakfast Club soundtrack called Waiting. She had a big, apparently a huge, huge club hit in the 80s, we all remember, called Say It, Say It. Of course, I, I, don't, I don't know I this song. It's <laughs> um, she's she's a
2: She's the singer star. at the band in Better Off Dead.
3: Yes, yes. that's what I was going to say. See, I ah, told I you we to were yes. coming back to John Cusack. She was in the band in Better Off Dead. She, plays, uh, she did the voice for Tommy Pickles in The Rugrats. And... Um, she had some sort of, she went on to record the test-taking theme song, Mind Over Matter, in the movie Summer School. Oh. So this oh, woman really? has done that. all sorts of really neat things. But if, if, if you watch – if you go out again and watch Valley Girl after this podcast, you'll see her and you'll instantly know the woman we're talking about. She's done all sorts of really, really – You get to
2: see more than just a little bit of her.
3: Too. Yeah, actually, this is true. Oh, yeah. You get to see quite a bit, which, Steve, why don't you share yeah. your story? Well,
2: she's one of the few uh, – Actresses who does a topless scene in this movie.
3: You see a little booby. Well, <laughs> actually, we say, you see a lot of boobies. She takes <laughs> off the jumpsuit and. There wow, they are. Bingo. There
1: you go. Hello. The, uh, it's funny
2: because when uh, Martha Coolidge, and you'll hear her say her name 300 times today, probably say it a dozen different ways, when she took the film, one of the requirements from the producers was she had to have four topless scenes. She, mm-hmm. had, to show, she had to show naked breasts four times.
3: Mhm and uh our girl EG or Elizabeth Daly was one she's seen two of those four. <laughs> friends, she's she's or two of those she's eight
2: whatever you want to look at it. the
1: most well suited for the um yeah you know, job. you know what we're saying don't you? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah wink, wink, I was really wink, nod, when nod. I was younger I was really embarrassed to um to watch this with my parents because I was 3 yeah, and um, but I didn't watch it when I was three, of course, no. but probably like five or six, and and to watch nudity with my parents was just very awkward.
2: Gina, do you remember the first time you watched this movie?
1: <laughs> I
3: don't. I think I was at you know I maybe saw it on. I don't think I saw it in the theaters as usual. I think I saw it like on cable at a friend's house. He was way too young
2: to have seen it in the theaters I couldn't. I think it. It, it came out eighty two, right? Eighty three. It was really dark. I couldn't see it. I had to yeah. wait for uh, cable.
3: But I remember all oh, my friends thought Nicolas Cage was so cute. Mm-hmm. And I thought he looked like a big hound dog, actually. I didn't think he was cute at all. But uh, I thought his little friend was kind of cute, though. Fred, Cameron, yeah. Cameron Dyer. I thought Fred was much, much cuter. You
2: know, it's, here's some interesting trivia on uh, how those two got the gig in the first place. They weren't the first choice of the director. She wanted Judd Nelson and Eric Stoltz.
3: Oh. Yeah. But couldn't
2: get them. And I think she chose Cameron Die first to play the Fred character and was having a real tough time casting for Randy. And they kept sending in all these pretty boys. And she said, look, no more pretty boys. And she went over to the pile of uh, rejected actors and picked up one and goes – Give me someone who looks like this. <laughs> and, of course, the picture she picks up was the picture of Nick Cage. Nicolas
3: Cage. Well, cool. Um, the girls in the movie, there's a bunch of girls that all hang out together, and they do a lot of shopping at the Galleria in the Valley, and they talk in their Valley talk. Let's talk a little bit about the song. I mean, this was kind of inspired by – not really inspired. I mean, it's inspired by Valley Girls, but the song Valley Girl. A lot of people watched it came the came out shortly before the movie. Yeah, they watched the movie thinking – that the song will be in the movie, but this was actually a source yeah. of some contention with Frank Zappa and Moon Unit because the song came out first. It's not in the movie because um, Frank Zappa wasn't happy about the movie and he right. actually sued the folks making the movie, but lost.
2: For those of you who forgot what the song sounds like, let's listen to a Let's few listen seconds. to a little
3: bit. Valley Girl, Frank Zappa, Moon Unit, Zappa. Oh my God!
2: Like, so like. Isn't that hilarious stuff?
3: It's great stuff. It's like one of his only hits, The Poor Guy. I mean, he did all this like really great, wonderful music based on like classical music by Varys and, <laughs> and Varis.
2: She's looking at us stunned because you know what we didn't do? What? We didn't explain to her the whole how we never actually hear the song oh. that we introduce.
3: <laughs> it's a big secret. Yeah, but that was Valley Girl, Frank Zappa. But uh, yeah, he wasn't real happy with... the I mean, like, what does he think? He's the only person entitled to use the right. phrase well, Valley Girl? Well, the whole Girl? point
2: was... Yeah, and I think that's what the court ruled. They said, you know, you can't, you can't copyright a fad.
3: Like, for sure. Okay, so...
2: But in the movie, in the movie does use a little bit of the Valley talk. It doesn't use little it to bit. excess. <laughs> not not, well, not,
3: not as too much. As they don't think. shove it down your it throat, It could have made though. it much worse.
2: But the director said in one of the video commentaries, um, you couldn't film a whole movie like that. But if... If you're a, a great uh, genius universe. editing person, you can actually listen to a quick montage, which we have compiled here, of some yeah. of the more uh, tubular expressions of the movie. Here we go. Awesome
1: bitchin'. cattle guys... It's
3: like really bitchin'. Get serious. you know? So tubular. Yeah. Totally. See, that's all you need to really hear. That's all you need. The greatest part, though, about, yeah. the greatest part <laughs> is when, uh, <laughs> when uh, Julie breaks up with Randy and he, he you know, he yell, he's yelling at oh, her yeah. in, in faux valley talk because he's so mad at her. He's mocking we her We have that. And all Actually, we have that. You want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear it. Let's hear it. Let's Cue hear
2: it. it. Cue it up, maestro.
0: Hey. I love you. That's all I wanted to say. I love you. So, we can see. Hey. Hey. We gonna see you again. You can't. What?
3: Don't do that to me. You can't see me anymore. Is it your
0: father? Is it your mother? Just let me talk to them. I can really fix it. No,
3: there's nothing to fix. It's not them. It's not them at all. It's me, okay? I can't see you anymore, okay?
0: Okay. Okay. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what this is. It's your friends, right? Julie, I mean, what is this? It's between you and me, not between the rest of the f***ing world. So f*** off. It's your friends. Well, f*** you. Now f*** off for sure, like totally.
2: There you go. For sure, like totally. We only had to bleep that what six times. That's okay. That's okay. But um, it's <laughs> funny. Was he uh he ad libbed that scene? Oh, we'll see. Did he really?
3: Clever. Yeah. He's guy. stumping me. He, he's the champion. No, no but um let me write that
2: down for me please. The, and put it on my One block? of the,
3: you know, although Valley Girl the song is not in the movie, the movie is powered a lot by its music. It's all though. about the music. It's all about the music. Wow, it's and it's really all about noticed. the music. It's great. All of the scenes filmed in, at what was at the time Club Central, very very hip. Just called The Central okay uh, very at the time a very very hip club there but later what club <laughs> did Viper it become room. The, Viper room. Viper room. the Viper Room owned by Johnny Depp River Phoenix yeah that's Overdosed. where our beloved River Phoenix did dive in overdose you know long before it was the
2: central it used to be owned by Bugsy Siegel it used to be an illicit gambling you're establishment. serious yeah. I didn't know that oh, wow. this guy you.
3: knows everything I am
2: brilliant he wow.
3: files and files and files of useless knowledge yeah, but um, well yeah so and also uh, incidentally that club is where the uh, Gogos filmed the "Our Lips Are right. Sealed" video inside that club. But who's the band that keeps playing in the club every time we're there? The Plimsolls. The Plimsolls. Aren't they the best? I With mean, that great song that we should probably. Oh, we gotta hear
2: it. Cue it up. <laughs> I love the fact that we heard that from the very beginning because to me, the beginning of that song, I mean, it starts with such power and that's what uh, takes over that one scene. It's, it's, it's a great, a, great song. It's a classic song. song.
3: What happened to the Plimsouls? It's so sad. Actually, no, you know they, what? B- I can tell you. I, but, well, okay, I'm going to tell you, Mr. Peter, Mr. I know everything. But um, Peter Case, was he their lead singer? Was he just dissing me? No. Peter Case oh, was wait? their lead singer, no. right? And oh. he went on to, he does solo stuff now, right? There will be no hitting on the Stuck in the Eighties podcast set. But Peter Case, I believe, is the guy that was singing for them and now he does solo albums though. But they they, they had a few songs on that soundtrack, Did she I believe. die? Who? No. Peter Case is a man.
1: No, I thought never mind. I'm thinking of
2: something else. Oh, boy. Million (laughs) Miles Away. They they do a million miles away. They do everything at once, and they do Oldest Story in the World. Oldest Story in the World. I used to love this band so much when this movie came out. I was desperate to find their album, but, you know, this is pre-Amazon.com. Yeah, If if your local record store didn't carry it, you were just out of luck. You weren't going to find an album by the Plimsolls anywhere in Pinellas County. And to this day, probably you can't, but when was the last time I ever bought an album in a record
3: store? I don't so. know. Cause we get everything off the internet. What did we now. do before the internet? We had lives. When they, um, when you Randy know, and Julie go in the Viper room, which was just the central back then, and the Plimsolls are playing, there's a, there's a, a, a list with upcoming gigs advertising the Plimsolls. And they're also advertising a lady by the name of Katie Sagal. Which is actually the real life case? Sagal, the, the woman who went on to be on the program Married with Children, but back then, in L.A. and all these places, um, Hollywood, she was you know making her living as a singer in clubs mm-hmm. and stuff. And she's still quite a singer, and she's put out CDs and things like that since Married with Children. But that is the, she the was Peggy the, Peg Bundy, yeah, Peg Bundy on Married with Children. But if you look in that, you'll see that. But um, interesting stuff there.
2: I love the club scene. I think to me that's that's probably the scene of the movie where. It all kind of comes together. Yeah. And if, if you're not 100% sure you like this movie, I think that's the scene where you kind of say, Look, I, I understand where we're going here. I can see the chemistry right. between Randy right. and Julie. And
3: Randy kind of puts it out there. What's, you know, these are the differences between my right. people and your people. You know, the we are or we're, what we're,
2: he perceives. It's the, the theme of the movie. And a lot of people say, Oh, it's a Romeo and Juliet movie. And they diss this movie. But really, what it's about in my mind is being true to yourself, making your own decisions. And, knowing who you are and it really he explains it there you know at the top of his lungs as the plimsolls play in the black right, background
3: right. and i think that's why it appealed to so many young people especially to steve who apparently well let's let the our, our caller didn't we have a caller yeah, yeah. We, we should we, let him speak when, right
2: this when it came pissed. out that we were doing this uh Sad. as always we, we take all comments you call us up and leave us a comment we'll put it on the podcast
3: let's let let's let this guy tell us why just is... how much steve likes this movie <laughs>
2: I hear you're doing Valley Girl. This is actually one of Steve's friends, John. One of my most memorable pieces about that great 80s movie is that uh, probably for about three weeks, Steve and I went over to his house and he made me watch it every afternoon uh, to the point where I was kind of sick of it. Also, I did love the tune of Plimsoll's Million Miles Away and uh, definitely a great film done at 13. Hollywood doesn't have to spend $150 million to do something. Have fun. Bye. Okay, John, you're not coming over to my house anymore wow. for Does he, he wow. want to be karaoke. part of the fan
3: club or is that make him? He might. He might he, oh, no. he's a, he's well, a, he talked about how inexpensively this movie was made. And um, the movie script was written in how many days, Steve? Ten days. Ten days. took 22 days yep. to film the movie. only cost $350,000, which sounds like a lot of money, but anyone who knows anything about Hollywood knows that is nothing that's to make nothing. a movie. It ended up grossing millions, $70 million.
2: Right. I can't imagine how much it's made. It's now, DVD you
1: know, it's now, video. you know,
3: a quote unquote cult classic. Cult classic. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's unbelievable. But um, we talk about it being a modern day Romeo and Juliet, at least in 80s Romeo and Juliet. There is a scene where Randy and Julie, who you notice their initials are R and J. Um, they're standing and kissing underneath the movie marquee. At one point, where there's this sort of like date montage and the movie marquee. What's the Romeo r- and Juliet movie are they advertise? Yeah, as
2: if he, that I don't. I don't like that scene because I mean that's like hitting you over the head with it. I think at that point.
3: There's Romeo also, uh, yeah. They were, um, they
2: break up shortly afterwards in the movie, and it's probably the best scene. I know we already heard the the clip of of what Randy says after they break up, but I like that scene for a lot of reasons. One thing that, that's kind of interesting is. He shows up at the house. You know, it actually reminds me it reminds me of say anything mm-hmm. because he goes to the house, he says that he loves her and she breaks up with him. Right. Yep. The exact same thing happens in say anything. He says that he loves her. And he gets a pen. And He gets a <laughs> pen. So I, you got I got to love that. I mean, it's just as a guy, I, you, you has can has appreciate to the fact that you to make
3: a fool of yourself. Every guy has had that happen
2: to him once in their life where they've where they've put their heart on the line and had it stomped on. And it's uh but what really makes that scene is two things. One is and nobody knows this. The two of them were allegedly dating at the time. Nick Cage and Deborah Foreman. And I thought
1: he, so, I I they thought they he weren't, weren't dating. Yeah. But they wrote that's each other the love letters. Said. That's what I, the director said.
2: Well, the director said that she found out they were sort of dating. And that's why and they had a hard time filming the scene because neither one of them wanted to break up with the other person. Aww. Even even as part of a movie set. Oh,
1: I they must know have been young. So the, the, <laughs> Yeah.
2: So the tears that you see from Deborah Foreman are allegedly real emotion Aww. pouring Aww. out. Well, kind of the direction that um uh Nick Cage got from Martha Coolidge he said was critical to his career and let's let Nick explain what we it was him.
3: here we go <laughs> All right, we didn't Tell call us, him Nick. but we do have a clip
0: the best direction you ever gave me was my favorite scene in the movie is at the uh, at the house when I try to see her and she doesn't want to see me and and I remember, again, I was going through those emotional machinations, and, and you looked at me and you said, hurt but not defeated. And with that one direction, you totally elevated the momentum of the scene. You completely shaped the scene into what it then became. And uh, I've never forgotten that, and I've used it ever since, um, that direction. Wow. In, in all In all my work.
2: That's, I think, really good direction. Hurt, but not defeated, and right. and and you see that sort of defiance in his face. And it's funny because you see that same sort of defiance in John Cusack later on. And say anything, he's, right, he's wounded, but he's not giving up. Right, and, uh, and, and I never really thought much about the parallels between those two movies. No. I'm probably the only person who thinks about parallels between those two well,
3: movies. T- teen
1: eighties movies. <laughs> I, I still say everything goes back to the Breakfast Club, but really know, everything in life.
2: No, I think everything goes back to. Fast Times, Richmond High, mm. but that's that's the <laughs> genesis. Of, well, we're of talking our about the end of the
3: relationship. We have to go back to the beginning and how he woos her. We need to let people know that they're at the party, and he, uh, he gets beat up by her boyfriend Tommy. And uh I think Tommy is so great too. I think he's hilarious. Isn't T-
2: Michael Tommy, Bowen. Tommy Michael
3: goes Bowen. on to be in what what? Uh he's always he oh, in less in in, than zero, yeah. Isn't he's he? in
2: less than zero. He goes on and he works with Tarantino quite a bit these days. That's funny. Really? Because Tarantino is a huge Valley Girl fan and he's always oh, quoting Valley Girl lines to Michael and getting Michael to say, Come on, no, I the Val dude can touch me. You know, he's he's always oh, cool. doing that line.
3: Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, it's well, cool? we'll, we'll back up. We're not in we're not in the two thousands, we're in the eighties. And they're at the party, he beats up Randy Randy. Tommy is this yep. kind of preppy valley guy with money wears his collar's flipped up and uh, he's Julie's boyfriend he beats up this punk rock guy Randy well, he and Julie are like separated they broke up and then um, Randy back Randy rights. goes back to the party hides out in the bathroom waits for you know all night long all these people are coming in shower he's waiting in the shower what song, the shower. song excellent excellent Love song Love My Way by oh. Psychedelic furs. and it's a great, great song. party song let's hear it Such a great song. It's definitely like, oh man, just absolutely. They're uh, still
2: around too. The they are first. still they're around.
1: St- Can I point out? Um, because I've heard every podcast about three times. She is the biggest um, of the '80s fan. I. Uh, they they reference sushi in in the, at the party. Yeah, they're making. They sushi. offer sushi.
3: Which is really yeah. like only two '80s movies exactly. really have big, big sushi parts in them. What it, breakfast, breakfast Club? club. Yeah, all club. All right. i, I forgot the about sushi. all wrong. All goes back to the Breakfast that. Club. Exactly. No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> and then so this wrong. movie, the parents actually are making sushi for the kids in the in the in the in the movie. You know what they're actually sushi was such a new crazy It's not thing. really sushi
2: that they're serving up. It's peanut butter. Is it really? Instead of fish eggs. Wow. They, they couldn't have. They couldn't afford real sushi and didn't want to have. Real sushi sitting around on the set for 12, 15 hours.
3: Yeah, because sushi was such a wild new thing back then. Remember sushi?
2: Hmm, I always wonder when I look at that scene, I'm like, that doesn't look like sushi. And now I know it's peanut butter.
3: That all goes into the whole Mrs.
1: Robinson side subplot thing going on. That's right. Yeah, I got to
2: admit, I'm not a big fan of the subplot.
1: No, but it ends I up, like I like the scene where where who's it? skip
2: yeah is it skip yeah and for those Stacey's who are, mom. those who are is like no, yeah I guess it's good because it's only good because of where it, how it ends yeah you've got Stacy's right. mom is
1: Stacy's one of the friends of uh Julie, right, right.
2: she's got the hots for
3: skip. And who skip her daughter likes, also likes. skips like Stacy's mom. Oh, so, th- so that's the song, right? Like uh, Stacy's mom. Later on, now there's uh-huh. a band now. Is right. mm-hmm. Stacy's
1: mom. The, um, got yeah, Stacy's mom. And it's like, you know American pie. I I mean I it it pretty much stole that from you know valley girls which stole that from
2: there's no breakfast you know, club reference no here. the graduate you know <laughs> <Yeah. so>. mm-hmm. <laughs> well and I, I didn't even realize it at the time because she says even the word plastics and, and which is a reference to, mm-hmm. to the graduate I, it, it went mm-hmm. right over my head
3: well, but we, we need to uh get us up to speed then when everything comes you know culminates at the at the prom well right know? before
2: the prom someone else we have the culmination of this particular side plot because oh, oh. Skip, well, yeah, Skip yeah. pedals on over to the house <laughs> to live in and sneaks on in and, <laughs> and sneaks on in and, and sneaks up to the shower to see who's there and we don't know who it is. And right, then, right. But they have that excellent song playing beforehand by the Sparks called... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. called What is it called? Monster of Love.
1: Right. And the the, the music really does lead the movie right along. You want know to
2: hear it? It's important. Monster of Love?
1: Yeah, please. sure. Let's hear
0: it. Don't let
1: it get mad.
0: Don't let it get me out oh, Don't let it get me out
2: Isn't that great? I mean, that a song gets me every time. I mean I remember, oh, actually, speaking of the music, and if, we're, if we get out of this podcast and do not mention this particular point, someone's going to kill us, and the person who's going to kill us is sitting four feet away from us. This is actually one of the hard, was for the longest time, one of the hardest soundtracks to get a hand, your hands on. Didn't, wa- wasn't it not
3: even it, released I think we until think like it 90? came out as an
2: EP okay. originally, but maybe a couple hundred copies were. Why? Were, Back then, they didn't worry so much about, you know, licensing the songs for for use after the movie. No one thought this was going to be much of a movie to begin with, so nobody really thought there'd be much of a demand for a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So they put out like a six song EP, and of course, it turns out the music is almost as much of a star in the movie as Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Right. So for years, people were clamoring for the soundtrack. To the, I used to always go to the record store to the soundtrack section and look for the soundtrack. There, there wasn't one. There was never one to, f- to find. And the really hard part is most of these, ba- most of these bands that are on it, like the Plimsolls, and the Sparks, and Paola, and Josie Cotton, you can't find their albums anywhere. I and mean, there was no LimeWire there or, or Napster. There's no finding these songs. So I think it was maybe ten years ago that finally. They put out a CD called "Music from Valley right. Girl." It was like
1: 1993, had, or
2: something, right? And they finally had these songs on. Good decade on so can, after the movie came. Otherwise, out. we'd be sitting here humming along right now because we wouldn't have anything to play. Right.
1: Things they sure changed. Yeah, right. I mean,
2: thank God. I mean, I, I used to to just search aimlessly. I mean, for this stuff, it just it was not to be found.
3: Well, then we get to the prom. Who's performing at the prom? Josie Cotton. Josie Cotton. Yeah, she was like kind of a. She, I remember hearing her name a little bit in the 80s I don't know what's happened to her now perhaps Steve Rose I don't
2: know yeah she's still around okay. she hasn't done much in 10 years but she's mainly a producer right now
3: I know that some of the guys in the backing band in the movie were in Kaja Gugu another the bass player is from the Knack I, I, I read somewhere but um, she performed a really great song that was a little bit of a hit in the 80s Johnny Are You Queer she plays that is at the a great top. song
2: it was actually a real song yeah
3: no no it definitely was that, was one, of, that was one of my favorite songs I thought, I thought
2: maybe it was just from the movie, nah, no, it was a really real song,
3: kind of a
1: novelty uh, bent to it, but it was. Uh, I wait, like her wait. eyes in the scene when she's singing
3: it. Yeah, yeah. It's Is great. that
2: your favorite song from the movie?
1: What's no, your favorite my, song?
3: Up from that movie, um, I loved a million miles away. It was just so. It was a very. It was a sad song. It was really a great song, though. But what, what was your favorite? And love my way, of course, psychedelic first. See, Go.
1: it's a toss up. I mean, I like I like Johnny, are you queer? I like and I like um, melt with you.
2: Yeah, we'll get to that one eventually. Yeah, I you know, mean, it's I know it's and...
1: tired and played out, but no, I I, it's I think tired. it's I still think it's it a was classic. a great song, which really. <laughs> um, is
2: why it's so played <laughs> out. I, I liked I la 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 love you by Pat Travers. Yeah, but, and I think the only reason I like it that much is because it's that pivotal scene when they're driving into yeah, Hollywood, yeah. and it's got a lot of energy to it. That's that's a great song to have. I actually did find that song on an album and bought the album just for the song. The, yeah. um Eaten by the Monster of Love is one of my favorites, and we've already played that one. Yeah. But you mentioned I Melt With You by Modern English. Or Are we getting ahead of ourselves?
3: No. Um.
2: They play it twice in a movie. It's funny. I actually have a lot of trivia on this one. This song never broke the top 40. Can you believe that?
3: That's unbelievable. I would have never thought that.
2: Yeah. The director... Only heard the song once. Knew she wanted it for the movie, but couldn't. Didn't know the title of it. She started calling all her friends and humming the song to them until someone finally was able to figure out what it was. That's hilarious. They secured the rights to it, Um, and it's they play it in its entirety twice in the movie. Right in the in the uh, little love montage at the uh, in the beginning, and not the beginning, the middle, and then you see it again at the very end when they drive off in the limo. And Nick Cage, you know, had puts it really into perspective when he talks about this song let's just know what Nick Cage has to say about this
0: the modern English song to me was really a uh, uh, almost like a theme of that era for me I mean it was it was like a uh, uh, an anthem making love to you was
3: and I, I, I agree with mr. Cage this song you know back in 1983 was not the overplayed little little jam that it is 20 years later it, it, this was a beautiful beautiful song and back I, in 1983 man. it still was fresh and, and, and poignant I, and b- I bought the Modern
2: English tape after the snow just so I could listen to this song absolutely and it's funny Modern English was playing at that time in England in front of crowds of about 200 people right. and they came over to America not knowing they'd never, they'd never seen the movie they didn't even know it was on the movie and suddenly they were playing in front of crowds of 10,000 people who, who just wanted to hear that one
3: song.
1: Right. I still listen to it. I still leave it on the radio when it comes
3: on. I can't. Hear I can't it help anymore. it. I just I can't, can't, can't help it. it. It's on a
2: lot. I know in a, few, a, pre- a previous podcast we said that we called it one of our. I think we called it the most overplayed song. From I maybe.
3: think yeah. I that said was, something like I would jab my ears with a pickaxe so if ups- I ever heard it again. But back in 1983, I loved it. I and, loved a, and at the it. very
2: end of the movie, when they get into the to the limo and they drive away, and she takes Tommy's ID bracelet and throws it out the windows, and right. they cue that song up, but there's not. I mean, I still get chills.
1: Yeah. And they go to the hotel. The that Tommy. Hotel. That, that Tommy had. Right.
2: Can only assume what happens after that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's great. This is a good movie. I think a lot of people um, diss it for being um, for its silly title, which is kind of. But um, as Cameron Die, who plays Fred, once said, "This is a this is a movie that has a lot more meaning that people should see." And let, let him explain it. Later. Yeah,
3: let him say. Too.
0: I think the best compliment I've ever been paid on this film was by somebody I knew who was a psychologist, and they said this film should be shown in every high school. It's about individuality. It's about being who you are.
3: Okay, so Valley Girl, you know, 1983. It's definitely, if you watch it, it's it's a little dated. It's definitely a, a product of its times, but the message is timeless. Lee, what do you think? Uh, it's, it's, dare I say, a classic. Sweet. <laughs> she is a fan.
2: <laughs> She's One of us.
3: One of us, <laughs> one of us. <laughs> I'm stuck in the 80s. Yes. <laughs> so...
2: That being said, I think it's time for us all three to hop in the limo. That's right. Roll down the window.
3: That's right. Pop in a little Modern English. Pop (laughs) in Modern English and head off.
2: Still stuck in the 80s.
3: Goodbye.
0: Bye.
2: Stuck in the 80s is produced by the online department of the St. Petersburg Times and TBT. The weekly podcast is edited and engineered by Mr. Dave Morrison. If you'd like to read our blog, please do so. It's at www.tampabay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.